morning. If you have a Bible, I invite you to take it up and turn with me to the book of John. Uh, there is the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, the Old Testament's in the front of your Bible. The New Testament's the back part. John is in the New Testament. If you uh, don't have a Bible and you would like to follow along, then we, there you'll find a Bible and the pew back in front of you. And you can uh, find uh, this reading on page 875 in that particular Bible. Uh, this morning, we begin a new series a new series on the Holy Spirit called Advocate. That's where we, we are this morning. And we'll be looking at uh, John chapter 14, uh, verses 15 through 31, uh, will be the text that we'll be examining and studying together this morning. This morning. Uh, today, is, today is June 4th. Um, is that important to you? I don't know. It's a Sunday. It's a Sunday morning. And uh, historically, within the church calendar, then today, in, within the church calendar, if you were come from a more liturgical background, then you would understand that today is Pentecost Sunday in the church calendar. Pentecost Sunday. It is the day in the church calendar where uh, we give attention to, where we recognize the ascension of Jesus Christ and the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. At Pentecost, at the beginning of Acts, the coming of the Holy Spirit when Jesus ascended and he said, well, then I'll go and then the Spirit will come. And so I thought it appropriate for us on Pentecost Sunday to begin a series, a four-week series called Advocate, uh, which is a series on the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we'll do over the course of the next four weeks uh, together. We don't often, in, in uh, church traditions like ours, we don't often spend a lot of time uh, on the Holy Spirit. There are churches that spend way too much time on the Holy Spirit. They see the Holy Spirit in everything. And there are churches that spend zero time in the Holy Spirit. Um, and, it's, and, and, and we want to be able to find ourselves uh, dependent upon the Spirit. Francis Chan uh, wrote a book. He's an author and pastor. He wrote a book called On the Holy Spirit called Forgotten God. And this is what he said in that. We are not all we are made to be when everything in our lives and churches can be explained apart from the work and the presence of the Spirit of God. We are not what we are made to be when everything in our lives and in our church can be explained as apart from the work and the presence of the Spirit of God. If you, can, if you can lay out your life plan, if we can lay out a strategic plan of the church and none of this has anything to do with the supernatural, if none of it has anything to do with dependence upon a holy God and his work in our lives then we are not becoming all that God has for you as an individual or for us as a church. And the church becomes irrelevant when it becomes purely a human creation. If we want to write off into, write off into irrelevance, then we wouldn't want to do a series like this where we purposefully and intentionally set aside time that we might be able to think about the supernatural, that God is a God who is spiritual and that God is a God who is moving and at work in our world and in our lives. Because the default setting for the American church, and we're not immune to this, is to rely on human wisdom and technology and insight to build the church and to draw people and to do the ministry. And we can too easily become ashamed or shy away from 
The fact that we are people of faith who believe in God, that we believe in a God who is alive and powerful and active in our world. And so it is with that as a backdrop that I've decided to take the next four weeks for us to study the very person of the Holy Spirit. So to begin with, I'd like to spend our our time together at a very high level, if you like. I would like to focus our time this morning really answering two foundational and basic questions about the Holy Spirit, about the Spirit of God. The first is this, who is the Holy Spirit? And second, what does the Holy Spirit do? Who is the Holy Spirit and what does the Holy Spirit do? Let's look together at John chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. Let me just read uh, the rest of the chapter here, and then we'll, we'll look at it together through these two questions. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and I will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You have heard me say, I am going away, and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. A brief prayer as we launch our study. Father, we now come to you dependent upon you. We come to you, the God of the word, and ask that you, by your spirit, will open up our eyes and our hearts in order that we might hear from you this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So Jesus is talking, he's writing to his, or he's speaking to and teaching his disciples. What he has just told his disciples is that he is going to be leaving them, he is going to be going into heaven, and then he goes to comfort them. 
right? He wants to then comfort his disciples and teach them how they might be able to understand because if Jesus, they've been giving their life to Jesus, they've been following Jesus, and now Jesus says, I'm leaving, then Jesus says, now I don't want you to be worried. And so he begins to speak to them and to teach them about another advocate, about the Holy Spirit who is to come. So who is this Holy Spirit that Jesus says will come? I've been very much helped by a pastor and author, Tim Keller, on a few different things. I'll give you a couple of quotes from him as we work our way through the sermon this morning. The first is this, his definition of the Holy Spirit is this. There's his definition. The Holy Spirit is the personal divine resident of the Christian heart. The Holy Spirit is the personal divine resident of the Christian heart. If you're here this morning, and you're a follower of Jesus, then you have the Holy Spirit within you. When you came to faith in Jesus Christ, then the very person of the Holy Spirit came to dwell within you and to live within you. You have a personal divine resident who is the very Spirit of God. Now, the first thing that we see in this definition is that the Holy Spirit is personal, or if you like, the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, we, have, we, have, we can have a tendency when we speak of the Holy Spirit to refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. Have you ever caught yourself doing this? The, the it? Uh, <clears throat> because we have a tendency to think of the Holy Spirit, and it's easy, and I found myself doing it, and I've heard others do it. I won't, I won't name names. Um, but I have heard folks who, because we have a tendency to think of the Holy Spirit as an impersonal force. Right? We have a tendency not to think of the Holy Spirit as a person, but rather as an impersonal force that's just sort of around, that's just sort of real. We believe it intellectually, and yet experientially, it's hard for us to get our minds around. It's hard for us to, to, to think out. But here, Jesus is very clear by, to say that the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is a person. And the, the, in, here in verse 16, look, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, for you know him, for he lives in you and will be in you. It's an important distinction for us, first to understand that the Holy Spirit, as Jesus teaches, is indeed a person. Second is this, that the Holy Spirit is divine, or the Holy Spirit is God. Jesus says, I will send another advocate, another advocate. Jesus made staggering claims about himself, didn't he? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. No, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. He took on the very name of Yahweh, applied it to himself. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, knowing that no one but God himself can forgive sins. Jesus made staggering claims. And then he says, there is one who is like me, another advocate who is coming. There is another advocate who will come, who is like me. Jesus is preparing his disciples and says that my death and resurrection and ascension are coming. I've told you that I'm going to be with my father and yet you need to know that there is another one like me who is coming who will be with you. There's another advocate who will come. 
He's trying to comfort his disciples. And he will be like me and he will be with you forever. You see, we read a passage like this and it can be a little mind-numbing. It can be a little dizzying, can't it? Because you say there's this in me and in him and you'll know and you'll see and then all this sort of stuff that sort of is going along. And the reason, of course, is because you can't have a reasonable, substantive conversation about the Holy Spirit without talking about the Trinity, can you? A doc, the doctrine of the Trinity. And... and it, it, scholars and theologians that you won't find uh, you won't find the word Trinity in the Bible, but what you have here is as, as those who have studied the Bible over the course of years of the course of history have come to know talk about the Trinity as it describes the very personhood of or if you like the Godhead because look at what Jesus says in, in verse two, which we didn't read, Jesus says that he's going to prepare a place for them, right? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. So he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I will come back and take you to be with me, to be where I am. So this is what Jesus, how Jesus is starting. He's talking to his disciples about this. And then in verse 16, he says, but the Holy Spirit is going to come. The advocate is going to come. One who is like me is going to come, right? And then, and then look here in verse 20. Look at what he, he does here in verse 20. On that day you will realize that I am in the Father and that you are in me and that I am in you. The day when the Holy Spirit comes, you will realize that I'm in the Father and that you are in me and I am in you. When the Holy Spirit comes, this is what you'll realize. And then he goes on in verse 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Jesus is saying this. Well, let me, let me start with what Jesus is not saying in these verses. Jesus is not saying, I'm going away. Actually, he's not saying, I'm not really going away. I'm not really going away. I'm just coming back in a different form, which is the Holy Spirit. That's not what he's saying. Jesus is not saying, Jesus is not saying, I'm going away and I'm not coming back, but I'm sending someone else. But he is coming. The advocate's coming. No. Jesus says that he is so one with the Holy Spirit that when the Spirit comes, Jesus himself comes. They're so united as one that when the Spirit comes, then Jesus himself comes. But, but, Jesus is so not one with the Holy Spirit that he is with the Father in heaven. Got it? He's not three gods. They're too united for that. But they're not one God in three forms because they're distinct persons. What we have in the doctrine of the Trinity is one God in three persons. There is much to be said about the doctrine of the Trinity. But this is not a sermon about the Trinity nor a series on the Trinity. But we need to speak to the reality of how God describes himself in his holy word as one God and yet three distinct persons. The Holy, but the point here is this, that the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force but is actually a divine person. And why does that matter? You say, okay, great, who cares? This matters because we as Christians are filled with the Spirit. We are to be filled with the Spirit, but we are not to be filled with some impersonal force. 
but we are actually indwelt by a person, the very person of God, right? So, because if the way in which you go about being filled by the Spirit is attached to some sort of impersonal force, then, then the way in which the, the mechanism by which you go and try to acquire this would be very different. It'd be like, if you like, mechanical. It might be like going to a vending machine and saying, if you want the Holy Spirit, go ahead and press B6, and all of a sudden, down comes the Holy Spirit. But if, if you want the gifts of the Spirit, try A5. And if you want Twix, try D9. It's just a mechanic. If you, just, if you pray the right prayers, if you do the right things, if you say the right things, if, you're right enough, if you light enough candles, if you say enough chants, then whoosh, in comes the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't work like that because the Holy Spirit isn't some impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. And what we have is a very person who is, who is living in us. Being filled with the Spirit is being filled with a person. And you say, well, what does that mean? Well, let me illustrate for you. And you, you understand this. Recently, actually just this, this past Tuesday morning, then I drove down to St. Paul to the, to the Amtrak station, to, um, to Union Station there in, in St. Paul, because I was dropping off my in-laws who had been staying with us for several days. When someone comes and stays in your house, guess what happens? It changes how you do stuff. Doesn't it? In preparation for my in-laws to come, you know what we did? We cleaned and we dusted stuff because we knew that they were coming, right? It changes the way you do stuff. When they were, on, when they were in our home and they were staying in our home, it changed the schedule. It changed how we used our cars. It changed which food, had the type of food that we ate. It changed, well, we tried to be on our best behavior. I'm not sure that it worked. Don't ask, please. Don't, don't, don't ask. Because when someone is living within the walls of your home, then it changes how you do stuff. When you have the person of Jesus, of the, 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 uh, you have the person of the Holy Spirit that is, at, is living within the walls of who you are because he entered when you came to faith, it ought to change how we do stuff and how we live our lives. There are things that we are doing. There's, well, let me, let me just, let me give you this. Let me just give you the other quote from, from, from Pastor Keller. Uh, about being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what he says. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to have your life transformed by an acute consciousness of the glorious person that lives permanently within the walls of your life. I could never write a sentence like that. That's awesome. Look at what he says. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to have your life transformed with an acute consciousness of what? Of what? The glorious person that permanently lives within the walls of your life. You have the glorious person of the Holy Spirit that is alive and living within the walls of your life. Are you conscious of that fact? Are you, are you open to the reality of the fact that God resides in you? And what things should you not be doing now because of the acute consciousness that God is with you, that God is present, what things ought you be doing? Because you have the very person of the Holy Spirit that is alive and at work in the walls of your life, in the walls of your heart. You have a person. Do you know this? Do you know that he's living within your life? Well, if the Holy Spirit is a person and God and he inhabits my life, then what does he do? What, what is the work of the Spirit? What is he about? What is he doing in my life? In verse 16, again, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, 
the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. The very spirit that we have that resides in our hearts, that is at work in our hearts, is the very spirit of truth. The first thing that the Holy Spirit does is reveals truth to us. Reveals truth. The Holy Spirit is called the the, the spirit of truth. What does this mean? It means that he reveals truth. The first thing that the Holy Spirit has done is he authored the Bible. The Holy Spirit authored the Bible. 1 Peter chapter 1, and you can read this at your leisure later on, but in, in, in verse 20, he says, Above all, we must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in hum, the human will, but the prophets, through hu, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So who wrote the scriptures? The Holy Spirit. He used, human, he used humans in order to be able to do it with their unique persons and unique personalities in different genres, and yet all of it was overseen by and inspired by the very Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth which is revealed in the scriptures. So it's here. There's this, and in, in, in the course of my studies, uh, this was pointed out to me, and I, I found it very fascinating, and maybe you will too. If not, you can just, just discard it, and we'll move right along. That in, and actually, in, in Ephesians chapter 5, which is an important uh, verse, or an important passage of Scripture uh, for the, the being filled with the Holy Spirit, what you find is that what you find is there's this list of things that we ought to get rid of and things that we ought to do in Ephesians chapter 5. And then it says that we should not be drunk on wine, but ought to be filled with the Spirit. There's this list of all these things. And, and then ultimately it says, if you are filled by the Spirit, you will do these things. This is what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. And then in Colossians chapter 3, if you, you might remember from our studies as we, went our, as we studied through the book of Colossians, that there's this list of things that are in Colossians chapter 3. And then in chapter 3, in chapter, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, And you ought to dwell, let the, the word of God dwell richly, or the message of God dwell richly in your soul. And guess what happened? So here is being filled with the Spirit. And here is being filled with the word or dwelling with the word. And then there's these lists of what it looks like. Guess what? The lists are the same. The lists are almost identical. Because as we are being filled with the Spirit, so we are being filled with the Word. And as we are being filled with the Word, so we are being filled with the Spirit. Because it is the very Spirit of truth that He is is filling our hearts with the very Scriptures themselves. That it means to be dominated by the very words that, that, the, that the Spirit, if, he, if we have the very person at work with us and living in us, that his very words are the things that we're hanging on to, which are found in this inspired word that he gave us. And so it is the word of truth that is at work within us. And then in, back in our passage here in verse 21, Look at what he says. Whoever has my commands, whoever has my words, whoever has the truth and keeps them is, one, is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Whoever has this word and does this word will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and he says, and I will show myself to them. Why does Jesus say that? 
Why doesn't he say, I will show myself to them? These are already people who are following Jesus. These are already people who are Jesus followers. And so wouldn't they have already seen Jesus? Wouldn't they have already known Jesus? Wouldn't they have already been, would Jesus already been revealed to them? Why does Jesus say, if you hang on my word, if you obey my word, then the Father will love you and I will love you and I will reveal myself to them? What is he actually saying? It means that the task and the role of the Holy Spirit is to take the very words of Scripture and to make them living and active and powerful in your life. That's what it means. It means that the, the, the very person of God who resides in you takes this very word that he has written and he brings it power in your life. That's what it is. In Ephesians chapter 3, <clears throat> there's this passage that I often will use the tail end of it for a benediction. But right before that, and these are familiar words to many of you, he says in verse 14, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he might strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You see, he says, strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled to all of the measure of the fullness of God. He says, I pray that you may may have the power to grasp and he's talking to Christian people and he's saying that the spirit of Christ may dwell in you that you by the very spirit of God he, that he may take these words that he may take Christ and make it live and active and powerful in your life that's the work of the spirit that's what he does it's one thing to read the Bible it's another thing to experience God in it it's one thing to go to a Bible study. It's another thing when Christ reveals himself to you in that word and in that book. And that's, the, what, that's what the Spirit does. It's one thing to know intellectually that he dwells in your heart. It is another thing to sense the very presence of Christ with you in the middle of the night when you're staring at the ceiling and tear, tears are streaming down your cheeks and your pillow is soaking wet. And all of a sudden, Christ comes. This is what the Spirit does. The Spirit is the author of the objective truth. He authored the Bible. He is the author of subjective truth. He makes it alive and active. He makes it live. He makes it vivid. He makes it powerful, and it changes our lives. It's the work of the Spirit, the very person of the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of truth. He also, secondly, advocates. Verse 16, and, the Father will, and, the, and I will ask the Father to, and he will give you another advocate. It is the paraclete. It's a different, difficult word to translate. Para means to come alongside. Kaleo is to declare or to argue. It's the, it's the paraclete. He is the one who comes alongside and he is the one who argues. So what we have in, is the advocate, the one who comes alongside you. Depending on your translation, it would say that you may hear he is, uh, he is the paraclete in some translation. Others, he is the counselor. He is the advocate. He is the one who 
You have one in the Holy Spirit who comes alongside you. He is with you. He is your legal advocate. He is the person that is for you. He stands in your position. He represents you. He is the person who is loyal to you to the very end. He'll be with you forever. The person that is with you and for you and beside you, you have that in the Spirit of God. And because he's alongside you. He's inside you and for you and with you. And he makes a case. He makes an argument. He is the person who argues. He's the person who makes a case. He's the one who defends you against your enemies. He is, it's a legal representation who is for you, who is with you, and defends you against your enemies, the enemies that are of the world, but even more importantly, the enemies of our own hearts. We have inside us one who defends us against ourselves, one who defends us against our own hearts. It is in Romans 8, chapter 15. It says this, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought, you, brought about your adoption as sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. In 1 John chapter, 1 John chapter 3, verse 20, If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts for he knows everything. You see, in Romans 8, it talks about the fact that we are prone to fear. We have a tendency to be slaves to fear. But, but we actually have the spirit that actually makes us, that makes us his child. That, and by that, we have received adoption as sons, and by that, we can call him Abba Father. And yet, I forget because my heart condemns me. And then I wallow in fear because I've watched the TV, because I've heard of bombings in London, because I've heard of terrorism, because I've heard of all of these things, and I have a tendency to wallow in fear, and the Spirit of God says, no. Because why? Because have you forgotten that you are a child of God, and have you forgotten that you can call him Abba Father? Have you forgotten that he is a good God in control of all things? He is defending, he is making a case against my own heart and against yours. It's what the Spirit of God does in the life of a child of God. He defends us against the accusations of our own hearts because he is greater than our hearts. And he defends us against temptation. James 4 says, Friendship with the world is enmity towards God. Don't you know that the Spirit of God is within you envies you? Don't you know that when the world around you begins to take you away from God, that you have the very person, the very spirit of God that envies you. That when the spirit of God sees you being wooed away by wealth, sees you being wooed away from God by power, sees you being wooed away from God by, 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 by comfort or by sex or by money, and he sees you being walking away, then he envies you and is jealous for you and he fights for you. This is what the spirit of God does in the life of a child. It's as if he is a good friend who says to you, I will, you, if you go down this road, you will destroy yourself. And I love you too much to allow you to destroy yourself in this way. And so therefore I forbid you. I will not let you. And even if it comes to blows, he says, I will stand in your way because I love you too much. Because I love you too much. In the Holy Spirit, we have a friend. We have our advocate because God began a good work in you. 
and it is the Holy Spirit who will bring it to completion because God loves you that much. He will not let you go. He will bring it to completion through his spirit in your life. He is a glorious person and he will not stop until you become the glorious person that you should be. And he will oppose anything in your heart and in mine that will keep us from being that glorious person that he's called us to be. We have an advocate. We have the spirit of truth who reveals truth within us. We have an advocate who is with us and defends us, even against us. And he reminds us. He reminds us. He says, we have another advocate. Another advocate. Jesus says, I'm sending another advocate, which means there was a first advocate. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. The work of the Holy Spirit is not to say, look how great the Holy Spirit is. The work of the Holy Spirit is to point as as our advocate is to wrestle with us, to defend us, to be with us, and to remind us of the first advocate who is Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for all of the sins of all of humanity. And when we doubt God's goodness and when we wallow in fear, then the very advocate of the Holy Spirit comes and says, let me remind you of the first advocate who stands with the Father and and is interceding on your behalf. Jesus Christ the Messiah that is the role of the spirit to remind us of all that God has done for us that we are saved by grace through faith in the work of Jesus Christ and all that he has done for us do you see the power do you see the life do you see the strength that you have as a Christian because you have the very spirit of of God that is alive and active and is for you and is with you and is defending you and walking alongside you and pointing you to Jesus Christ, our Savior. Thanks be to God for his goodness to the church and to those who are his children. Let us pray. Father, this gift of the Spirit that is so staggering in our minds to understand, baffling even in our hearts, And yet we come to you with gratitude and thanksgiving because of the wonderful gift of your spirit. Father, may we not not make light of this, but rather may we just be glad and may we be those who come to you with gratitude because you are always with us, protecting us, holding us, making us perfect like Christ until you come. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.